Sometimes there is some running involved. And I do okay. remember Hugh Douglas, Hugh Douglas came back to join the Eagles or he was joining the Eagles. And I remember I was interviewing him up the escalator, but the problem was <laughs> we're going in opposite directions. Oh no. <laughs> You are listening to another episode of the Water Boys Podcast, a member of the Crossing Broad Podcast Network. I am Coach Gary. That is Kyle Pagan. We have an awesome, awesome show for you guys. We bring on NBC 10's John Clark today, an awesome interview with him. Uh, but before we get into that, I'm going to go ahead and kick it to Kyle to tell us about our friends at Stateside. Listen, this weekend, we were drinking. Temple gets blown out by Houston. Morale's low. I was looking around. We're at my, my apartment. And I was like, hey, what can, I, what can we drink to liven up the party? I look over and I see Stateside Vodka. Sure. It immediately brought the party up. We have a bodega down the street. Got a couple okay. Red Bull Vodkas. Poured those bad boys in. Party till two in the morning. You know, the, when morale's down, one thing you have to do is hydrate yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So what better drink than to go with Stateside Vodka? It's the vodka that hydrates you with electrolyte. The thing is, too, where it's like award-winning packaging, award-winning taste, six mm-hmm. times distilled, no carbs, no sugars. It's got it all. It's got it all. A good bottle will also bring the morale up. If you go, if you go and get a bottle of Patron... It goes up. You go mm-hmm. get a bottle of stateside. It goes up. If I go and get a bottle of like what? I don't know. Absolute. You're like, ooh. Mm. New Amsterdam. Mm. New Am- eh. Get stateside vodka. Go to www.statesidevodka.com. Use promo code Wooder. That's W O O D E R at checkout to get 10% off your order. You can only have it shipped to Pennsylvania. If you do live in New Jersey, I know this for a fact. I've done a research study on it. You can go to a liquor store and you can buy stateside vodka. They also have stateside bourbon in the bourbon aisle. Kyle, you have anything else about stateside? No, I mean, I gave it away as a present and the girl I saw that I gave it away to came over this weekend and she said, hey, listen, I use it as a water canister now. So uh, it's multidimensional. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, okay. No, okay. She, yeah. he was a friend of a friend. She's a classy lady. She okay. was a friend of a friend. All right. Well, d- again, go to <laughs> www.statesidevodka.com. Use promo code Wooder to get 10% off. That's W-O-O-D-E-R. All right. Speaking of a ladies' man. We have a ladies' man on. We have John Clark joining us today. Talk about the Eagles. Talk a little bit JT Real Muto. We talk about the boss, Bruce Springsteen. And we delve into some of the accolades he has accumulated over the years that he may or may not be proud of. I think he should be proud of them. And... We ask him if we can go behind the beat and chase some planes with him at Philadelphia International. But let's not delay any longer. Let's go ahead and kick it right to John Clark. All right, we're joined here by John Clark, standing at 6'5". He's a one-time Emmy Award-winning journalist, a 2006 Daily News Sexiest Single. He's seen more terminals than a doctor of oncology, a titan of the tarmac, your mom's favorite sports reporter, hailing all the way from Temple University. John Clark, thanks for joining us. Wow, a little G-rated, a little PG-13, a little R-rated there. I got everything in there. I appreciate that intro. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, what's bigger, the one-time Emmy Award or the Daily News Award? <laughs> um, actually, I don't want to <laughs> have to say this, but I won a couple Emmys, just to let you know. Uh-oh. A couple. So um, I would think uh, that lasts a little longer, and you actually get a trophy for your house. I don't know. It's in the closet over here somewhere, but uh, I think because the sexy single, that's way back in the day, it doesn't even – exist anymore really. i mean you gotta update you gotta have nbc update the bio then because i got it right off the bio um you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna call somebody because that yeah. needs to be done i mean i i we me and gary were actually talking before this do you get more recognized by 
by moms around the uh, Delaware Valley or dads? Like that's, I think that's an honest question. That's valid. How about grandmoms? Oh, that's true. Yeah. 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 Um, a lot of people say, Oh, my aunt really loves your sportscaster. My mom really loves your sportscaster. I'm like, what about you? Yeah. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good thing. So, all right, we'll get a little serious, you know, breaking news right before this. We we're happy that you jumped on JT Rio Muto signs five years, 115 million. You talk to JT, you talk to the wife, what'd they have to say? Well, that's pretty much all they told me was we're coming home, uh, exclamation point. So they're really, really happy. Uh, They they love Philadelphia and they also have a great relationship with Bryce Harper and his wife, Kayla. Their kids all hang together. They're little kids. Um, So JT really wanted to stay here. And in the beginning, look, Jim Salisbury, he reported it that they were asking for seven years at like $210 million or something like that. So at that point in March, when the pandemic caused negotiations to break down, that's a lot of money. And I don't mm-hmm. know if you do that deal. You probably don't. Seven years, $210 million. And then a pandemic hits and a lot of teams' revenue is down. So maybe the pandemic, in a way, with the loss of revenue and everything for baseball, a lot of teams probably couldn't pony up more money. So maybe the pandemic helped the Phillies. I think it's a great deal for both sides. So I know when you say the the money situation, there was one team that probably could have offered the money. And I think it was telling once the Mets didn't put an offer in on him. Uh, so I am a Mets fan. I'll, I'll clear that out right there. But I thought it was very telling. I never thought that Real Muto was actually going to leave because once the Mets decided to go with McCann and not pay whatever it took, I thought it was kind of telling right away that, hey, he's most likely coming back because a 30-year-old catcher, you would have to have a communication with this. You'd have to have a connection with the city to really want to pay that. And when you have a star like outwardly, you know, petitioning for you to come back, I think it's pretty hard for the Phillies from a PR standpoint, not to resign him. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. I I had the same feeling once the Mets got out of it and I was told that uh, they did talk money probably, but JT and his agent wanted to, they wanted to keep, keep going for a little while and keep his free agency open. And the Mets were like, we want to make a decision now. Uh, and Steve Cohen with the Mets has all that new money. So that that was really the worry. He didn't suffer losses last year like all the other owners. So he's coming he in with all those billions <laughs> of dollars. So I agree with you. And then one Springer sign, I think that had a big uh, a big impact as well because then the Blue Jays were out of it. Yeah, it, does, it makes a huge deal. I'm actually very – as a Mets fan, I'm happy that JT Rule Muto re-signed. I've said this multiple times on the podcast. There's nothing I want more than the rivalry to be reignited. And if both teams are good, it's, it's good for both cities and both fan bases, right? That's how baseball continues to be relevant in Philadelphia and New York. New York will always have relevancy. But Philadelphia, the Phillies can get hidden a little bit behind the, you know, the other teams, the Sixers and the Eagles, sometimes the Flyers. It's good if that rivalry can come back. Totally agree with you. And there was no better feeling back in 07 and 08 when, uh, you know, 16 games to go. uh, Phillies were six back. And I'll tell you, that was was one of the best times ever uh, when they were able to come back with the Mets. I'll drop it for now. But but too many times over the last couple of years, you've got all these Mets fans that come down to Citizens Bank Park Right. And you hear them sometimes louder than Phillies fans. Well, to put a little insult to injury on that game where they, they, the Mets blow it in like, they, they get like, I think the Marlins put up 10 runs on like the first inning. I had to be at that Phillies game. I promised my mom I'd go to the game with her. I'm like, I'm not going to a game where the Phillies could clinch. She's like, you promised. So I had to sit there while you guys all celebrated your first, your first, uh, what division win in a while while also just wallowing in the misery of my, of my collapse. So yeah. yeah, what was that? Was Tom Glavin on the mound in that game? 
I don't think it was Tom Glavin. I, no. You know what? I want to always go back to say it was either Mike Pelfrey or Oliver Perez because mm-hmm. I Pelfrey. hate both of those people. But right. Were they facing the Braves? No, it was the Marlins. The Marlins put up like 10 runs in the first three innings or something like right. that. It, right. was, it was a pathetic performance, John. And yeah, essentially was- the second the, the month turned to September, it was real pathetic that was going on in Shea Stadium. Yeah, well, I, th- those are great memories because it was basically a coronation for the Phillies that day. It really was. Speaking of great, I can't tell you how happy I was to see Johnny Airplanes yesterday. <laughs> I appreciate I mean, that. It felt like it felt like 2021 was just it was a great way to start 2021. How did um how did the airport bit start? Uh, so yeah, so it's good. I'm cleared for takeoff for 2021. And uh, boy, I wasn't prepared to answer that question. How did the airport bit start? I don't know if I can reveal that, but um, do, do you have TSA pre-check? I want to know first. Well, you you know to. what? I, I don't. I don't have pre-check. <laughs> all of my coworkers, all of my coworkers, and I'm six foot five, as you said in your yeah. intro. So my coworkers, when we go to Eagles trips and all kinds of road trips, they whiz right by me. And they're, I'm standing back there in line uh, probably for an extra half an hour. So it's stupid, and it's something on my list to do. Um, I'm sure you guys have pre-check because you got a podcast. Well, so – you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing a lot of traveling. Yeah, I actually do have pre-check, but I mean, I'm sure NBC. You can expense that to NBC. Um, uh, not so much. Not, not so, so much. much. <laughs> you are the tallest guest to ever be on the Word of Voice podcast, by the way. Oh, I appreciate that. But Thank you're not you. the tallest person. Kyle's also six five. I'm also six five. Nice. Are you nice. A real? Well, what I always say. I always say it's good for some situations, bad for others. Yeah. Uh, being six five, I don't think I'll ever be a member of the Mile High Club. I think that's just something we can't do. I don't um, agree. And then, yeah, when you're in the grocery store, uh, my nickname is Top Shelf because I'll be mm. in an aisle and an old lady will come up and say, hey, can you reach up on the top shelf and get me yeah. that can of green beans? And you got to do it. And you, Yeah, you do. A lot yeah. of unwarranted respect, though, that we get for being 6'5". True. I've had, I've had guys, I've had men come up to me and bet their other buddies drinks on how tall I was. <laughs> I'm sure I wouldn't be surprised if that happened to you, too. Yeah. Um, so obviously you've had a, a lot of huge interviews on the tarmac. Dario Sarge is probably the first one that I remember. Um, Brian Colangelo, Carson Wentz at the, uh, at the NFL draft. If you could interview anyone, who would it be on the, on the tarmac? Dead, alive, real, fake, who would it be? Wow, that is a great question. Uh, one of my favorites was Jimmy Butler when he was traded. Okay. Um, and, and that was really cool because he, he rolled down his window to talk to us. If I could interview anybody... Um, you know what? I'm going to say this just because it's, it's a year ago, uh, Kobe Bryant, mm-hmm. um, you know, just as far as, uh, you know, maybe if he was coming into Philadelphia, uh, after the finals or something like that as a champion, um, Kobe to me was the ultimate winner. Um, and you had the but, chance to interview Kobe at one point, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was able to interview him when he was out at the Eagles hotel during the 2017 season. And he spoke to the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I've, I don't remember a team being in awe like they were of Kobe Bryant, those guys, the players, after he spoke to them, I mean, they, they talked about him for days and weeks. And of course they won the Super Bowl, So that was really good karma. And his message really resonated with them. So, um, I mean, I think he might be the ultimate guest speaker ever for the Eagles or a team in Philadelphia from what I've heard. How far down the list is Bruce Springsteen? You know what? There you go. If I could interview somebody on the tarmac. We know, John. We've seen the video. Okay. All right. (laughs) Um, Glad you didn't do that on the intro. Just to let you know, it was a lot of tailgating. 
There's a lot of tailgating before that concert. You don't have to tell us. I mean, we, we've been in your situation. Gary, you take this over. I know. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a big Bruce guy, but I'm, a, I'm an even bigger Dave Matthews guy. I've been to like 40 Dave Matthews. If there was ever a, a camera on me at a Dave Matthews band concert, it would be the exact same thing you're doing. So I don't fault you at all. You were just enjoying the moment. Well, when I say um, tailgating, I mean having some Tito's or some oh, beer. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. I, just, listen, I've been to 46 <laughs> Dave Matthews concerts. I remember 41 of them. Right, right, right. That we're catching our drift on that one. Yeah. Um, But yeah, you came up with a good one. I would say Bruce Springsteen or Howard Stern uh, interview on the tarmac. I was, I was just thinking of sports. So yeah, if you're doing, if you're doing things other than sports, then I would go, I would go that. It's kind of hard to transition off of what we just got into, especially with Kobe. But I did want to ask you, because we've had a couple different reporters on the podcast and uh, you've been covering the Eagles for so long and you're a Pennsylvania guy. So I have to imagine there's a little bit of fandom there. We've had other reporters say at a certain point, you have to be able to give up that fandom to really unbiasedly cover the team. Can you kind of speak to that? Do you, do you still have a little bit of a fandom into you? Like was 2017 special for you because you were covering the Super Bowl, or was it also special for you because the team you grew up around kind of won the Super Bowl? Yeah, you know, that that's a very interesting question because I think when something becomes your job, you know, like let's say you're a golf pro. Mm-hmm. Everybody's like, oh, that's amazing. You get to be on the golf course all day. But sometimes you're like, man, I just want a break from the golf course. I'm there yeah. five days a week. So, so I would say this, um, growing up in Philadelphia and Delco, um, I was a, you know, a fan of all the teams growing up and I, I am I am a fan inside, but you kind of have to put it aside and control yourself. So in those moments when you're on the field for when the Eagles won their first Super Bowl and then when the Phillies won their World Series in 2008 and then the parades, I get goosebumps. I get goosebumps when I see the reaction of other people. And because you're working and it's your job, you're focused on your job. But yeah, inside I am smiling and uh, happy for the city of Philadelphia and for everybody. When you cover these teams, you see what they go through. You see John Runyon, for example, who couldn't walk during the week most of the time, you know? And you see what these guys go through physically and mentally and all the things they do. So, yeah, um, but, but, but you, have to, you have to make sure you're unbiased in a way. I mean, look, you, you're going to be happy on the mm-hmm. air when your Philly teams win, but you have to – keep that even keel as they say in sports, but, um, and and then kind of go straight down the road as far as covering the team. But yeah, there's look, I worked in, in South Florida before coming home and I didn't care whether the dolphins won. I had no, (laughs) I didn't care at all. And I don't even think they care down there because there are a lot of New Yorkers and stuff down there. So yeah, there's definitely a piece of me that is just smiling inside. And as I said, goosebumps at those events, when you see how happy everybody is. Was there ever, between the 08 Phillies and the 17 uh, Eagles, was there ever like an oh shit moment, this is actually going to happen for you? Like a moment you were like, hey, this is really going to happen and this is going to be such a pivotal part in one, your career, and two, your fandom? Because both those are kind of, there's such moments in both those championship runs that it's almost hard to quantify them. But especially for you who's been covering, there has to be a moment you're like, hey, this is this is really special. Yeah, Super Bowl being there in Minnesota when, when Tom Brady threw that Hail Mary, it was really hard to see if the ball ever touched the ground from where we were, how far back we were. And there really wasn't like any announcement that the game was over, that mm-hmm. the Eagles had won. And so we're all just like, uh, it, the ball, it looks like the ball's on the, we can't tell. And then all of a sudden you start to see people run across the field 
And, and then you start to see the confetti come down, but there wasn't like, you know, like a gun going off or anything like, like the Villanova national championship yeah. win where you could mm-hmm. tell that it was over. So you're just sitting there waiting almost like the flyers when they lost to the Blackhawks in oh, 2010, yeah. you're like, okay, we don't see the puck. Where is it? Is the game over? And you see the Blackhawks celebrating and you're like, I guess it's over. So it's really weird to be there in person. Um, and then 2008, I'm trying to remember there was, there was just such an energy in Citizens Bank Park when Brad Lidge was on that mound to close it out that I, in my heart, knew it was over. It was over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was like, he was lights out that year. So, lights out, Lidge. Yep. You know what I like? I, I like about you, and this is just kind of a side tangent. I like the nuance that you find in terms of like social media. So, like you'll you'll kind of dive into you put up content that's actually like really engaging and fun in terms of like okay, an Eagles player. Look at this Eagles player who commented on this Instagram story and, and then like it kind of goes viral and whatnot. Have you like learned that was kind of like your niche per se, where like you just like you go out of your way to go to the airport, you go out of your way to find different social content that might be engaging with fans. Like, how do you how'd you come to that? Because that's kind of where sports media and social media has gone, really. Yeah, you're so right. And I had to learn about social media. Um, you know, being a TV guy, that's that's what you're that's what I went to school for. I didn't go to school for social media. It's a completely different curriculum nowadays. So I, I kind of got a gist and an understanding that when you're reporting news, you have to make people feel a certain way. It's all about feeling. There's got to be emotion. So I could say, I could put out a stat. Um, Joel Embiid, uh, most games with 30 points, 10 rebounds since Will Chamberlain. But if you send out an emotional connection, that is going to get a lot more pickup and a lot mm-hmm. more. Um, and, and look, I think Philadelphia, you know, we're in the middle of uh, New York and Washington. We're kind of like the forgotten about city sometimes. And we have a little chip on our shoulder. So we love when other athletes in other towns talk about our city in a good way. We also love when athletes on other teams in Philly talk about each other mm-hmm. and have respect for each other. So I kind of just got the gist that people love the emotional part of it and you have to make people feel a certain way. Um, and so I try to send out stuff that makes people feel a certain way. So let's rankle, let's rankle little people. Let's rankle them. When's it hurts? <laughs> Put your- uh, okay, well, that's a, that's a sharp turn. Put your, yeah. we're just gonna, we want to rankle someone, make them feel some emotion. We're gonna, that's what we're going to do. You're the first guest we've ever asked this. We're going to start asking all these guests, when's it hurts. No, you're right. You're right. Listen, listen. I mean, there's nothing in Philadelphia that separates people. I mean, it's almost like politics. <laughs> it is. It's almost like politics. The, the quarterback debate or Donovan, Donovan or T.O., it divides, it divides a fan base and a team. So you're asking me which one to go with? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Put your play GM. Okay. line in the stand. All right. So if I'm the Eagles, right? You have to say, okay, who do I have the most money invested in? Who have I given up the most to get the draft picks, the money? Um, but also, what would be the biggest damage to the team, right? So mm-hmm. if, if Carson Wentz didn't cost them anything or hit against the salary cap to trade him or release him, that would be a different decision. But right now, it's based on economics and commitment. So I say the best thing is to try to see if – 
Carson Wentz can be rebuilt. And you've okay. seen some other guys have bad years. Mm-hmm. Why are you laughing? Are you disagree? No, no, no. I'm, I've, I've been on the Carson Wentz wagon. I can send, we'll send you a clip for a DM, me losing my mind over Carson Wentz. But no, I, I can't believe that this city is ready to throw a, ba- a guy out after 12 bad games. I just can't get over that that's what people want to do. Yeah, no. And look, I mean, I, I'm a believer in Carson Wentz. I really like Carson Wentz. I'm not in love with what I've seen. And it's not just him having a terrible year, but it seemed to me the message was sent out that he didn't want to play for Doug anymore. That's the message that I'm getting from the reports that came out. Mm -hmm. And if you, as a quarterback, even if they draft somebody else like Jalen Hurts, you don't do your best in that situation. I worry about the pressure moments in a game, Super Bowl, all the big moments, because Everybody in the NFL has somebody that could take their job. Mm-hmm. That's what happens in the NFL. So I'm, I'm concerned about those things, but I think the Eagles want to see if Carson Wentz can be rebuilt and get back to being a good quarterback or a great quarterback. And why not have both of these quarterbacks on your roster, see who the best is, and then go with it. Now, there might be some division in the locker room, but money and everything that's tied up, you got to see if Carson Wentz can come back. Okay. So the natural follow-up to that is, is, let's say Wentz goes ahead and wins the um, the quarterback position battle. Then do you just go ahead and put Hurts right on the trade block, or do you stick with him? Look, I'll be honest. I mean, I saw the reasoning why the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts when they did, because Carson, all that money they gave him, the investment they had, he played really well in the regular seasons, but he wasn't available for their biggest game. So they said, okay, we have to have a great backup quarterback they learned that with Nick Foles. Then they said, okay, Andy Dalton's get what? Andy, Dal- Andy Dalton got six, seven, eight million dollars with the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. So he, either we're going to spend that kind of money every year on a different quarterback, or the NFL is going a certain way. The mobile quarterback, the guy who can throw on the run. And they really like the talent that Jalen Hurts has. And they said, okay, let's take him here because we think he can be a backup for the next four or five years on a rookie deal, save some money. And who knows? If Carson can't stay healthy, then we can see if Jalen's our quarterback. So I think you bring them both back. I totally agree. I don't think you trade Jalen Hurts because if you trade one of them and the other goes on to win a Super Bowl somewhere else or does really well, how's that going to look? I understand where you're coming from, but I just think I don't, I don't want Carson. I don't want Jalen both looking over the shoulder. That's the thing I get worried about. And I think Carson has been looking over his shoulder and he will continue to look over his shoulder. So that's the only thing. I think whoever wins, you put the other one up on the trade block. That's where I sit. I, I understand that point of view, but I look at Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers won 13 games, went to the NFC title game last year, and they trade up to draft a quarterback in the first round. Mm-hmm. So how did he react to that? He went out and had one of his best seasons ever. That's what you want to see. It is, but we didn't get it. So it's like, you're, I don't know well, if you're going to get exactly that from talking about moving on from him. That's the frustrating yeah. thing. If, so. Carson can't hand, if Carson can't handle Jalen Hurts being on the roster, then I can't trust him to come up big in the pressure moments, mentally come up big in the pressure moments. I don't, and I agree with you. It's just, I think that's where, but I, I would be shocked if Jalen Hurts is the number one quarterback going into the season. I think with the, with them picking Wentz over Doug, I think we're looking at, I think QB one's already decided. I agree. I, I feel that. And do you think Sirianni was strictly brought in to be like, Hey, fix Carson Wentz. Do you think that was really the kind of the, the template that, or the template they're going with to try and, go forward with Carson Wentz or do you think this was like hey he's a developed a couple quarterbacks we got two here let's see what we can do with one of them well with the way the process went and look they did not want to fire Doug Peterson they didn't want to fire him Mm -hmm. but 
it became obvious to them that Doug kind of wanted to stick with some of the coaches that had been there the last couple of years, like Press Taylor. And they wanted to see a little more innovation. They wanted to see some growth, some new blood, some new energy. And Doug wanted to keep his coaches. So they said, we need to have a better offense. And we don't think we can do it with those coaches. So when they did the search, I thought they were going to come up with an offensive coach. Josh McDaniels, I think, was in the lead until they interviewed Nick Sirianni. And I think I think they went back to some coaching hires of the past, like Andy Reid, where they said, okay, maybe he's not completely ready right now. He didn't completely, he didn't call the plays, but we think he can be a, a, a next great head coach. And they heard great things from everybody. Um, so I think, number one, a leader of men. They think he can be a leader of men. And yes, his work with quarterbacks is a big thing. His work with receivers is a big thing because I think they feel they haven't gotten enough out of all the receivers over the last couple of years. Um, so I think it was a combination of all those, but certainly his work with quarterbacks and a variety of quarterbacks is a big part of it. So I want to, I, we know we're pressed for time, so, but I, we could, we could go down a whole rabbit hole. We have two questions. We have one sponsor question. I have to ask a question. It's a little bit, it's going to be a complete 180 on what we're talking about though. You're a Bruce Springsteen fan. Are you really a Bruce? I, I hear it's kind of a two part question. Have you cried listening to Thunder Road? And two, are you really a Bruce Springsteen fan if you haven't cried listening to Thunder Road? Well, I'm sorry. I haven't cried listening oh. to Thunder Road. Um, me, me either. So, so I'm not, a, I guess I'm not a true boss fan, but I, I didn't get into Bruce <laughs> until the Rising Tour when he came to the link. That's really when I got into him with his energy um, and, and writing songs from mm-hmm. scratch and with meaning. He does it all. So I think that's where I got into him. Um, I'm a no surrender guy. That's my favorite Bruce song. No okay. retreat. Yeah. I'm, I'm also extremely jealous that you got to see Bruce on broad. I just couldn't swing it at the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was hard because you're paying $400 a ticket and you got people outside offering like two grand and you're like, well, I mean, this is a good, uh, a good business decision if I sold these tickets, but once you're up there, you got to go in. Well, thank God for Netflix, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I do love I do love the Hogan ear. I hope you I hope you still have that in your uh, in your repertoire. Well, listen, listen. Um, so I was doing some tailgating before that, but what you can't see in that video is a buddy of mine who's much much shorter. So he he's he's hidden in the crowd. Was that the guy you he, fist bump at the end? Yes, he was. Yeah. Doing it. Well, well I, it may have been one other person there too, but he he was egging me on to do all this stuff. I just did it because <laughs> you're caught up in the moment, but. Um, look, I felt better. I felt better when I went to some other Bruce shows and I saw guys like Chris Christie and other guys dancing. Yeah. Um, and, and so we just don't look good dancing. Tall people do not look good no. dancing. John, you should never be embarrassed what you did in that video. Yeah. That was a man enjoying the music. That's yeah. all it was. That's like nobody's watching. John Clark. You owe no one an explanation on that <laughs> That's one. That's what I did. <laughs> all right. All right, John, we'll get you out with this. So I don't know if you ever had a, have a Kenwood beer. It's, uh, it's, it's Kenwood beer. It's from Delco. It's a wonderful beer. Grab one. Um, if you're in the area, wherever you live, if you're not in Jersey, you can get one anywhere in, uh, in, in PA, in Southeastern Jersey, Southeastern PA. Uh, drink 10 t- today, drink 10 tomorrow. You, you feel great. It's a refreshing got, light beer from Philadelphia. It's a refreshing light beer from Philadelphia. So, so, so what you're trying to do is if I have 10 beers, then I'm going to be dancing like that again. Oh, there's no doubt. Better. But you're going to wake up with no hangover, so it doesn't yeah, matter. That's the key. <laughs> it's refreshing. I love it. I love it. So we have this thing where we want to do a behind the beat and it's kind of take you behind the beat reporters, like a, like a behind the scenes kind of. You're a big airplane guy. You've been to an airport one or twice in your lifetime. What are the chances that the Water Boys can come out with you to an airport one time when, uh, when someone lands? 
little, uh, little drive along. Mm-hmm. We'll, tap along. we'll stay we'll out bring of the way. a documentary crew, which is basically just our intern. We'll stay out of the um, way. And you probably won't like him. I don't know if you like us, but we'll stay out of your way. Yeah. It's not a bad idea. I kind of, I kind of like this. It might, it might be kind of fun. Um, I guess it'll have to be the, 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 the proper situation. Okay. Um, not somebody being traded away, but somebody coming in. It's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, and I guess uh, we got to wait till the pandemic's over with social distancing. But all right. So this is a road trip to the airport. Yeah. All right. We'll do it. Okay. All right. There how you much go. Running, how much running's involved in this? I feel like you run a decent amount. Sometimes, the sometimes there is some running involved. And I do okay. remember Hugh Douglas, Hugh Douglas came back to join the Eagles or he was joining the Eagles. And I remember I was interviewing him up the escalator, but the problem was <laughs> we're going in opposite directions. Oh no. <laughs> so you on the stairmaster. Uh, exactly. And I had to I had to backpedal and try to run backwards to keep up with him. Um, then there was a time when Malcolm Jenkins arrived, our photographer was shooting the interview as he's walking, and my photographer banged into a pole. Oh. Um, but but I will say this one of the best times ever was we were waiting for Allen Iverson when he came back in with the Sixers. And mm-hmm. I love AI, but he missed mm-hmm. a couple flights, so he sure. wasn't exactly coming Shocker. in on time. Well, yeah, that's him. While we're at the airport, it was like a who's who. First, King Kong Bundy, a former professional wrestler, was walking through. <laughs> so we talked with him for a couple minutes. Eric Snow was coming in to do a broadcast. And then Placido Polanco, huh. who oh. was coming to take a physical <laughs> with the Phillies. Yeah. And, yeah, you can notice him with that. Um, we <laughs> yeah. had no idea he was coming in to join the Phillies, so we're like, what is Placido Polanco doing here? And and then we talked with him for a couple of minutes. He said he was coming in to take his physical. So you never know who you're going to see on an airport run. Jesus. Right. It sounds All like right. I need to get back on the treadmill and make sure we're ready for this. Yep. <laughs> All right. You know who it is. It's John Clark, multiple Emmy Award winner and the Daily News Sexiest Single back in 2006. John, and NBC Sports Reporter. I mean, I, it's the biggest one. But thanks so much, man. Thank you. You guys are fun, man. Enjoy the podcast. You guys are doing a great job. Thanks for having me. Thank, Thank you. you. The Winter Boys Podcast was created and hosted by Gary Lay and Kyle Pagan with contributions from Jason Green, executive producer John Barchard, and our theme song is Telescope by